Hi, welcome to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas. It's part recap, part review, and there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go. Welcome to episode 23 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. It's been a while. If you listened to my last podcast, you know, as I mentioned, I'm on the East Coast, Hurricane Ida. A hurricane at the time. It was a storm that came through and created a bit of a mess, um, which did affect my family. Thank goodness everyone is fine, but there were some things to clean up. And then I just took a little break for a while, but I am back for episode 23. This is your host, M. Um, in this episode, I'm going to talk about Bite Me, episodes 2 through 6, Guardian, episodes 36 through 40. Finally finished it. And the Tasty Florida, which is a new Korean BL, um, episodes one, two, three. To start off with Bite Me. So in Bite Me episode two, well, in episode one, Chef had offered a job to Ake and Ake in this episode says no. And, you know, if you saw episode one, you know that he kind of feels like his mom might not want him in a job like that, even though cooking is a... Uh, a love of his and he has a talent for it but he speaks to his friend Vic one of the the group of friends they I forget the other friend's name and then there's the friend played by gameplay and through speaking to him decides to take the job and so he goes to the restaurant and meets with uh Chep and tells him that he will take the job so Chef goes around and introduces him to the people in the restaurant and one of the people we meet is the pastry chef named Prem, who is kind of needling him in a way, and he tells Ake at one point to grow up fast. And Ake, of course, doesn't know what he's talking about, but that's where you get the kind of hints that probably Chef has been talking to him about Ake because Chef and Prem appear to be Chef Ao and Prem appear to be good friends. And Prem is just giving him these kind of sly looks as they're all talking together. So as I mentioned, game gameplay is in this. And I had not mentioned it in episode one when I was talking about the friend group. They are still a little bit awkward with each other, I find. But he he is okay on his own. You know, he's got experience. I'm not sure about the other actors besides Mark, of course. And actually, gameplay had announced on Twitter not too long ago that he is not going to be on Ken Porsche, which Ken Porsche has been taking forever to come out. He's not going to be on Ken Porsche, and that's because he was doing Bite Me instead. So there's just a conflict of scheduling, apparently. Now, one funny thing in this episode is that there are several product endorsements throughout the episode. There's uh, Oishi Tea, I think it is, and then Lineman, which is the delivery company that Ake works for, but they show it a lot. They're showing the jacket, they're showing his helmet with the logo, you know, everything. And it, it's all over this episode. And I'm not quite sure how I feel about product endorsements. Obviously, you need it to, to do a show. I'm not sure if I like it to be unobtrusive or like it is in this case, in your face. I mean, we all know it's there. So I find the in your face stuff actually a little funnier, but just be aware that that, there's a lot of that going on in this particular episode. At the end of this episode, we are introduced to a new character, Eve, who based on their discussion is the person who won the chef contest before. And he, uh, Chef Ao was a runner up to that. This meeting between them leaves uh, Chef Ao completely distraught 
and he decides to start cooking. And this actually flows into episode three. Episode three, the first few minutes of it actually are just what was the end of episode two with him cooking. And then he just winds up wiping things on the floor because he's just completely distraught. And Ake, who had left just as Eve was coming in, had turned around because he just felt something was kind of off. And so he walks in on Chef Ao destroying things. He doesn't ask what is it that is going on. He just sits there and talks to Chef Ao and just, you know, lends a a shoulder and a a listening ear for him. And they grow a little closer in that moment. Also in this episode, Ake's friend Vic um, is working on a project for school. Uh, he, He appears to be a photography major, apparently. So he's working on a dessert photography project. And he asks Ake if if he can get the restaurant to allow him to come in and photograph the pastries and so forth there. And so they ask Chief Ao, who agrees, and they introduce Prem to Vic. And this is, it looks like, our second couple of the show. Episodes four and five I'm going to kind of talk about together because it's kind of a story arc that that flows together. So in episode four, um, Chef Ao invites Ake to a gallery opening, his mom's gallery opening. And Ake is a little bit unsure if he's going to go. He doesn't really articulate why. So you're not quite sure yet if he is having deep romantic feelings for Chef Ao or if it's just because it's his boss he doesn't want to go. You're, you're not quite sure why, but he's a little bit conflicted about whether he should go or not. And he talks to his friends about it. And, you know, they're just like, why not go? So he does decide to go. And of course, Chef Ao is very happy about this and proceeds to buy him a suit, a tux, for the event. And you can tell that Ake is kind of confused and maybe a bit overwhelmed. And you start to see here how class differences between them start coming into play. It's something that hasn't even been looked at before, but it's definitely coming up here because for Chef, this is probably nothing at all to him to know to buy a suit and everything for the gallery opening but for ache this is just a whole new world for him not just the class differences but remember he is quite a bit younger than uh, chef ao is now also in these episodes chef ao is sort of railroading ache into or assuming that ache is going to participate in the chef contest he doesn't even ask Ake if he wants to do it. He's just assuming he's going to do it almost, you know, like I know what's best for you kind of thing. And of course, Ake is very upset by this because it's kind of like, you didn't even ask me. You're just doing things for your own benefit because obviously this is something very important to Chef Ao. Uh, you know, he had lost his competition before, so it's something very important to him, but his goals may not necessarily be Ake's goals. And we get to see this whole um, scene where Ao is really realized what a big mistake he he made just kind of treading over Ake's feelings or just being unaware of his feelings. Now, Eve is also in this episode at the gallery and just gives off these weird, pretty creepy vibes, I feel, <laughs> towards Ao. Uh, it's clear that she, well, I mean, I'd say it's clear. I really don't know, but she seems to like him. I don't know if he's bi, but it just seems like he's gay. Um, the way he, he has a whole conversation with his mom earlier and it, and it just seems like he's gay. So it's kind of 
I don't know what Eve is hoping for, uh, approaching him the way that she is. But anyway, she's there. She, I guess, is the evil, you know, character of the show. As I mentioned earlier, Ake and Al are in a conflict now, and Ake leaves. Not permanently, but he, uh, he is on summer break from school. So he goes back up to his mother's house. I don't know for how long. And then shortly thereafter, Al shows up. And... When I watched this originally, I did watch it with the comments on on Vicky, which I don't normally do, but this time I did have them on. Well, I watched it pretty early, so there were not many comments anyway, but some people were a little <laughs> creeped out by all showing up at Ake's home slash workplace like that. You know, as his boss, they, they were kind of creeped out by that. But in real life, yes, this would be creepy. In the drama, though... I think what they were really going for was just Al made a mistake in thinking that he knew Ake wanted to be in the Top Chef program and, you know, this kind of thing and thinking that he really knew Ake when he really doesn't know him as well as he thinks he does. And I kind of viewed this scene as Al traveling up to Ake's home to not his home specifically, but the region that he's from to just try to gain a better understanding of Ake in his, you know, home territory where he's comfortable in and is, and is really going to be himself, not for any kind of nefarious purpose, but just just really really to understand him better because he does have feelings for Al, for I'm sorry, for Ake, and they're both pretty shy, verbally shy I would say, neither one of them is talking about their feelings, but they do like each other, especially you can really tell on outside the longing looks that they are giving each other and have been giving each other from the beginning. It's unmistakable. So overall, I really am enjoying the show. I have been kind of conflicted about it. It ha I haven't been watching the episodes immediately necessarily. It's taken me a little bit to watch them. And that's mostly because I just feel so conflicted about the pace of the show. This is the very definition of slow burn, but I don't really think it's a slow burn that's being done well. And I'm not even sure how to articulate this, but the acting is okay. I think the friend group that I said in episode one was pretty awkward with each other. I think they're getting, they definitely have gotten better in the, in the episodes. And that I think that was just a matter of them getting used to each other. The characters of Aoi and Ake are, are fine. They've got good chemistry with each other. The actors are doing a good job. I really, really am feeling like it's the director that is the issue here. And I'm not even sure who the director is. I haven't looked it up. But I think it's the choices that this person is making. Because I even noticed in the conversations... So let me backtrack a little. Ake is supposed to be from Northern Thailand, apparently. So, okay, okay slower pace maybe slower speaking. I don't know where Bic is from or Prem, but Bic and Prem also have the issue that I noticed in episode one between Al and Ake of just speaking really slowly. Unless every single person here is from Northern Thailand, this is the choice that the director is making to have them speak that slowly with each other. But for some reason, it just doesn't seem natural. Like there are parts of the United States, I'm going to use, you know, since I know the U.S. the most, I'm going to use it as an example. There are parts of the United States where people speak slower than in other parts. I would say in the South, for the most part, they speak slower than, you know, than in the Northeast where I'm from. But it's just the way they talk and it 
it it flows naturally because that person may have been speaking that way their whole life. With these actors, it doesn't quite appear natural. It's as if they start talking and then they're stopped and then they start talking again and then they're stopped. It's just not coming across naturally. And each, each of these episodes is 45 minutes. I almost feel as if it was supposed to be a 35 minute episode and they decided they needed to stretch it to 45 and this was the way they did it. And it's a shame because it's actually making me not want to start watching it. You know, once I start watching the episode, I'm fine, but just trying to motivate myself to watch it because I know I'm about to see something very slow. Besides that though, besides that kind of pacing, I do like it. It is a slow burn, but that's fine. I don't mind slow burns. I love the relationship amongst all the people, all the friend groups, all the workers, the relationship between Aika and his mom. And we've just met in the last couple of episodes that I described, we just met Oz's mom and she's really cool as well. The only person kind of creeping me out here is Eve, but that's intentional. That's the way her character is. Now, aside from my critique of the directing of the dialogue in the show or the pace of the dialogue, I do have to say whoever, I'm not sure if it's the same person directing the food shots or when they're making food as well as when they're just showing it on the table after it's been prepared. But whoever's doing that, whoever designed that is doing an amazing job. I mean, this (laughs) this food looks amazing. When they're cooking, it looks amazing because you really get to see what they're doing. You get to see the ebb and flow of a working kitchen in a restaurant and how that whole industry is. We also, at the end of this episode, get to see Aikano making a trip to a temple, to a Buddhist temple, which it looks, you know, beautiful inside. And I almost feel like in a certain way, this whole show is like an advertisement for tourism in Thailand between showing the temples and showing the the local cuisine you know it's like it's it's like a tourism commercial not that i mind i mean like i said it's beautifully shot my my only my only real critique is that issue with the the pacing of the dialogue but i think it's just something you have to get used to as you watch the show i don't think it's going to change the whole show looks like it's going to be this way and again i know it's I've been reading, like they're saying it's because it's Northern Thailand. It's supposed to be a little slower, but I remember the behind the scenes. I saw so many of the behind the scenes for A Thousand Stars, and that was set in Northern Thailand as well. And some of the actors in the behind the scenes were from Northern Thailand, and none of them spoke as slowly as the characters on this show. So again, that's why I say I'm not sure how... It doesn't seem natural, and I don't know what it is about it, but it just it just doesn't seem natural the way that they speak here. And unfortunately, it's taking a little bit away from my enjoyment of the show. Not enough to stop me watching. I will continue watching because I do think this is a good pairing, but don't think you're going to get any big romantic moments here. I don't think this is that kind of show. What you do get though here is a peek at Thailand, a peek at Thai cuisine, a peek at the cooking industry in Thailand and the lives of people who have a real love and talents for being in that profession. So that was episodes two through five of Bite Me. And next, I will be talking about Guardian episodes 36 through 40. So finally, I finished Guardian. Guardian, I mentioned before, I saw it years ago, started years ago. It got taken off of YouTube. It got taken off of online. It was censored. 
<laughs> then it was bought back. But by the time it was bought back, I was on to watching other things. I never finished it. But recently I've decided to finally finish the show. And so I finally did. And I kind of was watching really slowly and sped up watching it also because if you've been kind of into what's going on in Chinese drama land, you know, a lot of, not a lot, but some shows are being censored. Some actors are being, unfortunately, just kind of wiped from, from social media, their careers gone. And so I figured I should just hurry up and watch Guardian before that disappears too. So episodes 36 through 40 in previous episodes, things have gone to hell in a handbasket, basically. Um, everyone, dishings are, are fighting, everyone's fighting each other. Yezun has been, our, our bad guy has been impersonating Professor Shen Wei. And in episode 36, we find out that Lin, who had appeared to betray the Special Investigations Unit, but, you know, it was kind of obvious that there's no way he would have done that. So we learned that, yeah, he was on the good side the whole time. He was working with Chief Zhao to kind of be an inside man into the the main uh, facility for special investigations. Unfortunately, he is found by Yezin at some point and Lin is apparently killed. While all of that's kind of going on, Xiao Go, little Go, is stabbed by the professor with a syringe with the thing he was trying to be, that he has been trying to develop, which is to give him, to give people powers. And so Lil Gao is going to develop some powers. And in episode 36, we don't know what it is. In episode 37, he realizes that his power is the ability to see the memories and the life of someone who has just passed away. I have to say, this... (laughs) This ability to me was, I know it's supposed to be a kind of feel good kind of thing, but in terms of battle and helping with battle, it's not a very useful ability to have, but you know, it does allow for feel good moments on the show when he's able to see people's um, kind of their last requests and in some way fulfill uh, their final wishes. Now, even though they have collected all the hollows, before this, all these artifacts, they were still missing the lantern. They thought they were missing, but it turns out it was there all along. But it's still something they can't use because the lantern is missing its wick. And they they don't know where it is, but they figure it might be down in Dishing. And Shen Wei decides to go back down to Dishing to look for it. Which, of course, is very dangerous because Yezun has taken control of Dishing. So episodes 37 and 38 are kind of chaotic not not chaotic in a way that you can't understand but there's just a lot going on shen wei has gone down to dishing remember he's looking for the wick chief gao is going to need to or going to want to go down there there's also chaos up in the streets you know so the rest of special investigation unit have to help with the chaos that's going on and they get some help from people who've been there in the past such as um, their tech guy comes to help the doctor who's the friend of Shen Wei is also helping the people. And Wildfire, who is that dishing who had the ability to, to put flames out of his hand, he has also come to help as well. In dishing, Shen Wei has been captured and Yezun is torturing him because, you know, he's got this resentment towards him. He feels like Yezun abandoned him. I'm sorry that Shen Wei abandoned him all those years ago. So he's, you know, he's getting back at him. 
and Chief Zhao is preparing for his trip to Dishing, and he, they're trying to figure out who's going to go with them because the window they have is only very small. So there's only a couple of people that can go through, and they decide that little Go is going to go with them because they've been kind of hinting throughout all these episodes that there's something special about little Go. He's got this this virtue and light inside of him, and so Chief Zhao's father, you know, says take him with you. Like he has a feeling he's going to be important. Unfortunately, what no one realizes is that at some point in the past, Yezun had encountered Lil Go and had gotten into his mind and has been controlling him, just kind of waiting to control him uh, in the back of his mind. Unfortunately for Yezun, this is where Lil Go's virtue and light come into play in that he does have the ability for brief moments to fight back against Yezun's control. So he doesn't have complete control of him. Now, as I mentioned, there's a lot of chaos in these last few episodes. There's a lot of fighting going on. There's fighting up in the, on the earth, on the surface, and there's fighting down in dishing. So there's a lot of loss, a lot of sacrifices that go on in these last um, couple of episodes. So just to be aware. We do get to learn that all these years, this resentment that Yezun has, has held all these years where he thinks that Shen Wei abandoned him. It's not true. Shen Wei did not abandon him. And so he does learn that at the end. And it does allow the brothers to reunite. But it does come with a loss for the rest of the team. And this episode actually ends about one year later. After that final battle, we see how everyone is doing. The special investigation unit has been kind of reinstated. Chief Zhao is there, but not really there. <laughs> Chief Zhao made a very big sacrifice. We think we don't get a happy ending, but actually we do get somewhat of a happy ending for this show. I have not read this Donmei novel, so I'm curious what they changed for the show versus what was in the novel. It's got a promise between our two main characters that somehow they will meet again, which is the most we can hope for based on the sacrifices that they've both made for the world in order to save, well, both worlds, everyone on the world, dishing and above grounders and everyone. They are both heroes, but you know, we've known that since episode one, but through their sacrifice, we see even how much more the heroes they are. They've been waiting all this time, 10,000 years <laughs> to be together and they still had to decide to make her sacrifice, which meant they really couldn't physically be together anyway. So it's kind of a bittersweet ending. And it's actually one of the reasons that for a long time, I didn't watch C-dramas <laughs> for, for that reason that, you know, people, you never knew if someone was going to make it to the end of the show and things like that. So it's just something to be aware of when you're watching C-dramas that you might be really sad and it might be bittersweet, you know, at the end. I wasn't sad at this ending. But it wasn't 100% happy ending I would hope for them, but it was a very realistic ending for these two heroes, for these two warriors. I have to say, the chemistry between these two actors is really off the charts. It is a Chinese drama, so, you know, it can't be BL because, you know, they won't allow it, but you don't need a kiss here. They, the way they look at each other in their final scene together, and it's almost as if their bodies are like straining towards each other. You just know that if BL had been allowed, they would have been in each other's arms in that final episode, in that final scene. And the acting is good enough. The body language is good enough that you can just 
picture it in your mind without even having to see it on the screen. If you are a Word of Honor fan, which I know many people listening might be, and you, you know, you're looking for something to watch and you haven't seen Guardian, I would really say to watch Guardian. It's, it's not martial arts or anything like that, like you found in Word of Honor, but this is kind of the OG, <laughs> somewhat of the OG BL, at least for this author anyway. There is other older BL in Chinese drama land, but, but this is a good one. The, this is the, I kind of would say like the OG of the current crop of BL. Let's put it that way. And this is currently, it is available on YouTube. Um, again, we don't know what's going to go on with censorship and so forth, but it is also available on Viki. So Viki buys the rights to their programs. So Viki should be safe. Now, I don't know how long Viki buys the rights for. I don't know if it expires the same way that things expire on a Netflix and, and so forth. So you might still want to check it out relatively soon anyway, but, but it is on Viki. All right. And last but not least a new Korean BL called Tasty Florida, The Tasty Florida, and that can be found on Viki. So The Tasty Florida looks like it's slated for eight episodes. Just a heads up that the episodes of this show are really short. They're about 10 minutes long, 10, 12 minutes long. So really short. I'm not quite sure why they spaced it out like that into so many episodes instead of just kind of doing a movie format or something. But anyway, um, it works fine. I... I have seen up to episode three and the episodes are short, like I said, like 10 minutes, but I don't feel like anything's kind of been cut off midway or anything like that. It is flowing nicely. So I'm just going to read a little bit from, or most of the summary that's on Vicky. Having just moved in, college freshman Sohei Wan isn't sure what to think of the guest house he now calls home. With Florida Banjum, Tasty Florida, a popular Chinese restaurant, comfortably settled up on the roof, people from far and wide are always running in and out of the building. But it's not the constant stream of guests that has Heiwan concerned. It's the fact that the restaurant's owner and head chef, Beckham Gyu, seems to have a serious problem with them. Having been recommended for a part-time job at the restaurant by Cha Ji Su, a fellow restaurant owner, Heiwan thought he would easily fit in with the staff, but for some reason, Yun Gyu seems to instantly dislike him. Despite the fact that he can't figure out why his boss is so bothered by him, Heiwan finds himself fitting in nicely with fellow staff members Ha Jin and Just Seo Hyuk. It isn't long before he's drawing as much attention from the restaurant patrons as his equally handsome co-workers. And that is just part of the summary. And the one thing I don't, I don't quite get from the summary is that it says that Young Gyu seems to instantly dislike him, but... Nobody seems to instantly dislike him here, <laughs> at least in the first few episodes that I've seen. So that's not, that doesn't seem really ac accurate. I think that might've been kind of clickbaity to get people to watch. Maybe people are expecting a, a hate to love kind of thing, but there's no one here that seems to instantly dislike anyone. So we open with Heiwan walking up this very steep street in Seoul with his luggage, his rolling luggage, and he stops and look, looks around. I'm not sure exactly where he's from, but obviously maybe a smaller town or something like that, because you hear this kind of narration going on and it's his, his mom, I guess he's remembering his mom being like, why are you going to Seoul? You know, there, there are people there who are going to take advantage of you and all this kind of thing. And he's kind of looking around wide-eyed and starstruck at, at the city around him. And as he's looking, he's let go of the luggage. He's not holding on to the luggage. 
and he the luggage starts rolling away from him down this very steep street and he starts chasing after the luggage and the luggage winds up being caught by a young man who's coming up the up the street catches it kind of lets it go really quickly because Haywan falls into his arms since he's been running down this steep this steep street and kind of loses his balance so that's the beginning of the episode it's that typical trope of someone falling into someone else's arms and they're just staring into each other's eyes for several minutes. This is kind of a running theme through the next episodes. It's just Haywan staring at people, <laughs> just kind of overwhelmed by what he's seeing or, you know, how cute he thinks someone is or whatever. He's just this wide-eyed, I guess, country kid in the big city. Episode one, he arrives at the motel. He's going to be staying in the hotel he's going to be staying in and on the rooftop of this hotel is the tasty florida restaurant and he goes up to visit the restaurant he sees all these people going up there he goes up to visit it and in episode two he's eating in the restaurant and kind of looking around still with that wide-eyed kind of look also in this episode we get introduced to the rest of the staff of the restaurant and there's this whole funny scene where they are they're trying to fill a position and they are interviewing various people unfortunately probably besides the food, what the restaurant is known for is for having a very handsome staff. And so most of these interviewees are not necessarily interested in getting the job. <laughs> They're just there to take a selfie with with the people interviewing them, with the restaurant workers. One of them is one person is like vlogging while the interview is going on and then seems shocked when he doesn't get the job. <laughs> so not so coincidentally, Haywan is also looking for a job. And here is where we get to see just a little bit of that, the boss taking instant dislike to him, which is not so much a dislike as just that he is very confused. Because earlier we saw him thinking about Haywan and, and smiling. And, and then he starts, he's asking his coworker, can you find another guy cute? Like he's very confused about this. So that is where what, what, apparently like comes across as dislike that's what it is he's just very confused right now there's really not much to say about it yet you know the episodes are just so short i wish they were longer i thought we were doing better with blk dramas because the recent ones we've gotten have been a bit longer but we're back to this short one i don't know why but you know it's good <laughs> it's shot nicely it's a k drama there's it looks good, as most K-dramas do. Right now, it's a lot of fluff, and it's probably going to remain fluff because I don't know how deep you can get, how angsty you can get or whatever if your episodes are only like 10 minutes long. So if you're looking for something, you don't have a lot of time and you want to catch an episode of something, this is probably a good show for you. Or you may just want to wait till it finishes and just watch it in one sitting, watch it as a movie kind of thing. I think I'd be happier with this drama if I'd watched it a couple years ago, but having just come off of Light on Me, which is, you know, a longer, almost like a, a full length K-drama, it's kind of disappointing to kind of take a step back as far as dramas go, not in quality, but just in the length of the program. So that is it for Tasty Florida. I'm going to continue watching it. You know, it's short, so why not? But I have finished Guardian, so... Hmm, what to watch next? I'm thinking maybe I should finally, finally get to Ingredients. In honor of gameplay being in Bite Me, I should watch Ingredients since he was in that with, with Jeff as well. But also, we're in October now, so October 21st, I think it is, on Vicky. 
and on WeTV, My Sweet Dear is premiering. And that's got the actor, I don't want to mispronounce his name, Jang Yusu from Where Your Eyes Linger. So he was the one who played the bodyguard. So if you liked him in that, he's going to be in My Sweet Dear, where he plays a chef. And he's got long hair now, and it looks great on him. Whoever decided it, whether it was him or the stylist or whoever, it looks great. They've already got posters out for it, and there is a trailer. You know, I'm sure if you look on Twitter, you can find it on Twitter. It looks really cute. So I am really looking forward to that. And I'm still debating whether I watch Love is Science. On the SETI channel, S-E-T-I channel on YouTube, they have been showing cuts from the episodes. So I've basically basically been watching the cuts from the episodes and uh, particularly Mark and Owen, who are, I think, the most popular couple on the show, even though they're not the main couple. But, you know, I'm thinking if I should actually go and watch the episodes because besides those cuts, I do watch the cuts of, I don't know the character names, but there are three couples in Love is Science. The main couple who were childhood friends and there's an older couple and then there's Mark and Owen who are our BL couple. And Mark and Owen, well, they are amazing. As I said, they're on the SETI channel has has been pulling the cuts from the episodes. And since they know that Mark and Owen are, are the most popular on the show, they are very quick about putting these cuts up. They, I think they're up even before the episode is up on Vicky. They're up with English subs. So that's what I've been watching. But I really feel like I should watch the whole show as well, because unfortunately, SETI they're putting cuts, but they're not putting every scene that Mark and Owen are in. So I would like to see that. But it is an, it was supposed to be 16 episodes. I think it's 18 episodes. I'm not sure if that was always supposed to be the case, whether they stretched it. Maybe they added more story time for Mark and Owen. I don't know. But there's been this kind of like online outcry for another season featuring Mark and Owen as the main characters. And if they are listening, if the directors and the company is listening, and if they plan to do that, I feel like I should watch all of this season of Love is Science to really understand the second season, if they do get one. But we shall see. I'm still contemplating it because, as I said, My Sweet Dear is coming out, and I do like to mix up what I watch, so I don't want to just be watching BL. And I've been also thinking about watching Yumi's Cells on Vicky, which is a K-drama. So I'm just not sure. So we shall see. For sure, in the next episode of this podcast, I'll be talking about the next few episodes of Bite Me and probably the rest of Tasty Florida, because that looks like it's eight episodes, as I said. So that is the end of episode 23 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. Thanks so much for listening. If you're new to listening to my podcast, welcome back if you've listened to previous podcasts. And for those of you who were affected by Hurricane Ida, hope you're recuperating and recovering. If you want to reach out to me with any suggestions about any shows or have a comment or question about anything in this episode, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at DramaWatcher6 and through email at dramawatchernotes at gmail.com. Stay safe, everyone.